0: Matt Uh, this has been a long time coming um, for people who who are listening to the show uh Matt actually messaged me on September 28th of this year uh and we we are now getting through this uh on the 28th of November so thank you for your patience and uh and I'm glad to have you finally on the show Matt um how's it going
1: yeah great yeah what a what a what a great result today um yeah really pleased um and pleased to be able to uh to join the show and uh yeah uh, chat everything Brighton
0: yeah no it was superb it was a superb result big time um are you based in the UK still
1: yeah yeah I actually live in East Sussex um just uh down the coast from Brighton in St Leonard's uh, which is just next to Hastings um I haven't lived here um all my life but moved down here about two three years ago um yeah just really enjoying it
0: nice 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 um, so have you been an Albion fan all your life, or is this a newer uh, a newer mix for you? <laughs>
1: uh, I was wondering when that question was going to come up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, um, unlike some of your previous guests, I, I am not a lifelong Albion fan. Um, I have to admit that. Um, it's more of a kind of a recent um, uh, uh, interest uh, of mine more than anything. Um, I actually grew up in the Hereford area, which is... Um, nowhere near East Sussex
0: um West um, Midlands yeah
1: yeah yeah. so I I grew up (laughs) as a a Hereford United fan um I'm sure you may have seen them play Brian back in the day a few times I was Uh, gonna
0: say I don't know if you realize just how much of a uh, significant change in in support that is um given given what happened back in the the late 90s so that's a pretty wild thing
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, by that point, I think my interest in Hereford United had probably waned quite considerably. I mean, it was more of a kind of a childhood thing um, growing up around that area. And of course, you know, when you when you go to school in a place like Hereford, you know, sporting a team like Hereford, I mean, everybody sports a bigger club. Um, so, you know, I had friends, most of my friends were Liverpool fans. Um uh, and I was a Man United fan, uh, shame, uh, shamefully. So, um, yeah, I hit the jackpot with that, with that run up until about sort of the late nineties when I kind of, um, lost interest in football and kind of discovered other things, uh, went to uni and all the, did all of that kind of stuff. And it's only, yeah, only been fairly recently, I guess two, three, maybe, yeah, three years now that I've been following the Albion because, um, you know, I moved here and, um, my son is uh, seven now. He started getting interested in football, and I was like, "Well, I'll take him along to a game." So we went to um, an FA Cup game, um, uh, you know, two, three years ago, and really enjoyed it. And then ever since then, it's just kind of um, taken off from there, and now it's kind of borderline obsession.
0: <laughs> it 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 happens. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a great time for for these kids to start going to these games with a shiny stadium and, and top Absolutely. flight football. So it's kind of I mean I'm not sure if you re, like, ever read anything about it but they they talk quite often about that lost generation of Albion fans in that mid-2000s where we were in that you know that dump at with Dean and and traveling to Gillingham and all that kind of stuff so it's really cool that that these kids are being able to you know have some pride and support in their local team I was I was like you so I I spent a lot of my childhood in Leicester well Leicestershire um and they were all big Leicester fans or Manchester United fans or, you know, uh, one of the two. So the amount of abuse I got as a kid for being a Brighton fan <laughs> was just outrageous.
1: I can imagine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Leicester were pretty good then as well. I mean, they're pretty good now yeah. as well, but it was before their great downfall. So it's it's good that the kids are able to go and go and get in on this. And I mean, the catchment area is huge, isn't it, in Sussex?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the one of your previous guests said something um to that effect that you know, if if um if you look at the the stats, you know, we've got the biggest um local well, supposedly the lo- biggest lo- we should have the biggest local following of any Premier League team. Um but it doesn't quite translate like that for some reason. Um but um yeah, I I mean, I'm trying to get my son into the Albion and you know, he's kind of interested in You know every Premier League team really, um, especially the big ones. You know, but I keep trying to sort of plug away with the Albion and just sort of, you know, teaching what it's all about really. So
0: (laughs) you'll get there. It it clicked. It took a while to click for me as well. Uh, It was uh, that Northampton away game, like just an absolute mess in the late 90s and like it should never have been a game that would convince a child but it did so <laughs> you never know when when the when the uh when it's going to drop for him but it, it yeah. will eventually <laughs> if you yeah. if you if you kind of brainwash them enough
1: <laughs> yeah well i i put his name in um the draw uh, recently for you know to be a mascot because they've started introducing virtual mascots at games again um yes or at least they will be doing it in december and uh yeah I was surprised I got an email back saying oh yeah he's been picked so um so hopefully uh that will be the uh, the moment that sort of solidifies it now for the rest of his life
0: <laughs> yeah that's re- that is a really cool thing to do I mean even in this situation that's still going to be really great so I'm sure that will be uh will go a long way to uh to convincing him of of his of the right choice to make in the end exactly <laughs> um, so on to the season itself um We are now, I believe, we are five points ahead of schedule in terms of the results we had last year with the draw today Um, because, of course, we didn't get any points in the the fixture this year, uh, last year, or rather it was just the summer, wasn't it? So we did not get so lucky in the summer. Um, Potter is showing improvements uh, result by result, but a lot of people um, have other thoughts, feelings, concerns in regards to that. What's What's your take on the season so far, um, you know what's your take with the rest of the season coming coming forward before we take a look at Liverpool specifically?
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's been um, uh, a strange transition. Um, you know, if you think about last season and this season with with Graham Potter and his in his uh, and his crew and the kind of football that he wants to play, and you know it's such a dramatic uh, sea change from 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 the you know from what Chris Hughton was doing and obviously you know there are going to be fans out there that don't like change for starters you know and you know you can you can point to um results you know that we've we've had in the last uh you know 10 games and the, the season before where you know in previous years we might have done better because we were playing a different style of football we maybe even more on the counter attack um and you know it's easy for for fans to come out of the woodwork and sort of say well you know how is this a sign of progress when we're, we're losing to teams that we were beating before and all this kind of stuff. And you can, you can understand um, where they're coming from to a degree. But I mean, I think this game is the game. Um, we haven't obviously talked about it yet, but um, which I think has to put all of that to bed, you know, because you can clearly see um, where those improvements have been made. Um, And, you know, to go toe-to-toe with uh, the world, you know, European champions, league champions, world champions, whatever you want to call it, um, albeit, you know, with a fairly, you know, significant um, list of injuries, is still, you know, I think mightily impressive, um, especially considering how we performed in the game. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, we've obviously been really unlucky this season with, um, you know, one, two, maybe three Results, particularly, I think you know the Man United game, which was a real heartbreaker. Um, you know, VAR seemed to be going against us uh, all the, you know, the wrong moments, and it just seemed like you know there was. I was convinced that there was some kind of conspiracy against uh, against <laughs> Brighton amongst uh, Premier League referees for a few games. Um, but it seems like that's changed now, and you know, the last couple of games we've had those decisions go in our favour, and um, you know, we've managed to. To, to you know uh, get a result as well as a good performance and I think um that's that has to show a sign of, of progress um and you know I think it, it's 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 about time now that you know what with fans coming back into stadiums next next week um yeah
0: like, as soon as next week you
1: of them yeah yeah I mean it's really time I think for the for the fan base to come together and just really kind of uh get behind the team and really push them on now because I think we've got a really good run of games coming up Um, the Christmas period and into the new year, you know, plenty of games where we can pick up points. And I think um, we could, you know, we could go on and, you know, really, you know, stamp our um, our mark on the the table and sort of, you know, solidify our position as a sort of uh, mid table team, I would say.
0: Yeah. I mean, that Christmas run, like you said, we have one, two, three, four, five, six games up until the new year. And, and, they can, they're going to probably be one of the kind of batches of games that we'll look back on next, you know, on in the summer and think, like, this made or broke our season. Southampton at home, Leicester away, Fulham away, Sheffield United at home, West Ham away, uh, and then Arsenal at home uh, a couple of days before the new year. So I think they are just massive, aren't they, when you look at that group and considering we've just had to, you know, have a couple of disappointing results with, with Burnley and West Brom. Um, like you said, I feel like we have turned a corner now. And as you were just saying, it's funny because we, the, I suspect the conversation today is is going to be just how well the counter attack worked um, <laughs> because, yeah. because yeah. Potter, once again, you know, he showed that he does have some, you know, nuance to to the way he sets out his teams. And it was very similar to the, to the Spurs game last year, I thought. Um, yeah. And it's also worth noting that, you know, I, I definitely understand Liverpool's fans and, and management and, you know, staff saying that, that their injury depleted, but we, we were also without Tarek Lamptey. Mopai went off injured. Yeah. Lalana couldn't start because he was hurt or ill or something. And then had to come straight back off almost immediately. Um, Trossard was not a hundred percent fit. So I feel like, you know, we also have had half fair share of, of injury issues. So I feel like today, you know, whether it was a case of a slightly more depleted eleven or not, they're still champions of of England. They're still, you know, Champions League winners, and yep. it just all feels a bit like you know excuse making from the Liverpool group that this <laughs> this team, you know that they they can they somehow can say in the same sentence that they they shouldn't be losing to teams like Brighton, but they were all injured.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I so mean, uh,
0: coming to the game itself, though, uh, seeing the lineup, because that was, I feel like every week I'm talking to my guests and I go, what do you think about the lineup? Because it was a big talking point.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I was surprised, I think, to an extent to see um, Connolly in the lineup. I mean, obviously he hasn't played much uh, this season so far. And I think maybe, you know, he was due a, a start. And you think, well, you know, if, if they're setting up for to play more, you know, as a, you know passively and play on the counter then he's he suits that um, and then obviously without without Lamptey in the lineup um, you know you have you have to think well who's going to replace him you know and I think um, you know there's a school of thought that says well you know um, alzates played in that role before he's been quite successful different player of course but you know he's been effective in that role then he' got beltman so you know I don't think it was um, a big surprise to see beltman in that position you um, and then, yeah, no, Lalana. So, I mean, obviously, he's he had a, he had a bit of a a knock in the previous game at Villa. So maybe he wasn't hundred um, percent. Yeah, I don't know. What was your take
0: on it? I was shocked seeing three strikers as well. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like it did look like we were either gonna lose like seven three or something, <laughs> or like it was gonna be. It was just always gonna be a strange game, I think. And and yeah from the moment we started playing, but, you know, I think Salah had that chance within two minutes or something. And I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as soon as we got the ball, you could see immediately what the plan was from Veltman, yeah. from March, from Mopai, Gross, you know, everybody's plan was that kind of diagonal kind of in behind the back line ball to, to Connolly and or Welbeck. And for a team that are, you know, one of the best in the world. It was deceptively easy to cut them apart like that. Um I think it was about eight or ten minutes in, I think, that, that Connolly broke through one on one, um and and put it wide. Uh I think he should be scoring that, don't you? Or yeah, at least in a yeah. target.
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was what he was put in for exactly. You know, I think it was a loose ball in the midfield. Um, Minamino didn't quite um get control of it. Mope picks it up and threads, you know, a fantastic pass through, sets Conley on his way. I think it was Phillips who was out of position. Um, he couldn't get back in time. And uh, yeah, he's one-on-one with the keeper and you think this is a goal, you know, there's only one outcome because <laughs> he's he's been so ruthless in the past in those kind of situations. Um, but it wasn't to be. I think he just... Yeah, I think it was McManaman on BT was saying it just kind of came off his toe and he didn't quite wrap his foot around it. And it just kind of, you know, curled wide instead of uh, into the net, which was, you know, I thought at that point, okay, well, this is a sign of um, things to come. You know, we're familiar with this uh, with this with this narrative. (laughs) Um, But anyway, yeah.
0: I, yeah. I thought the same thing. I also thought after that chance, I was like, okay, like if we've done that once, we're going to have chances to do it again. We, that's yeah. not the, that's not the only time in 90 minutes that we're going to be able to do this. And I felt like there was another six times in that first <laughs> half alone where we were cutting in behind them and they, they were just all over the place. Um, the first big kind of incident, uh, other than those two kind of good chances, one at either end was, was the first penalty. Um, yeah kind of came out of nowhere you know it seems like all of our attacks just kind of flashed out of nowhere um I'm assuming that you agree that it was quite obviously a stonewall penalty
1: yeah I mean you know it's not the first time that Conley's has has done this and you know I, I felt like there was a point where refs were kind of onto his case and that he was um they weren't giving him the benefit of the doubt in situations where he's kind of put his leg in um and the defenders knock, you know, knocked him down. Um, I think it happened in a couple of previous games this season where he hasn't won the penalty. Um, but in this case, yeah, it was a stonewall. Um Williams goes in clearly to try and get the ball. He's nowhere near it and Connie goes down its penalty.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I was wondering, and I think I've mentioned it on the pod before, but it, it almost feels like the, the VAR decision last year against Everton got so much press for some yeah. reason and it almost feels like it's been held against Aaron Connolly ever since
1: yeah I agree I think um in that case it was perhaps not as clear cut and definitely wasn't as clear cut and um you know those decisions where VAR is VAR brought in and there's a you know it's a controversial decision they sort of they seem to linger in the in the ether and come back to haunt teams later on down the line for some strange reason. Um yeah, and I think he's been very unfortunate not to win more penalties because that's that's part of his game and he does it very effectively. And in this case it was, yeah, it worked back, worked perfectly for us
0: yeah it really did I, I think I'm not sure if I put it on Twitter or if I spot, just was talking to people in WhatsApp but I feel Aaron Connolly is is making Premier League runs like his ability to read the game and make the runs in behind is, is at a Premier League level but his ability to finish is still in the championship and that hopefully will come with age you know as he grows up and, and keeps playing because it's easy to forget you know like he's not exactly a uh, like you know he's made what how many games has he played for the Albion in this in this division yeah. now? Like, yeah, maybe a dozen.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. He doesn't get a consistent run of games. He's a kind of a, um, you know, he's not a luxury player, but he comes in in games where we're we know we're going to be on the back foot uh, more often than not, and you know he can be a threat in behind. You know, when when teams are pushing up against us, so it's it's tricky for him because he doesn't get that consistent run of games to sort of build up a kind of any level of form. Um, and you think that, you know, if he gets two, three chances like that, you know, he puts two of them away. Um, so, yeah, it's... I can understand why he was frustrated. I mean, we'll get on, obviously, to the substitution later, but... Um, yeah, I think it will come with him. I think, you know, um, the more opportunities he gets in in games like this, uh, the more likely he is to start putting those chances away. I mean, we know he can do it. He's done it before. So,
0: you know. Yeah. Neil Mopai steps up to take the penalty. How are you feeling about that? I feel like it was uh, probably always going to happen because it seems he was the designated penalty taker. Um, yeah. Were you happy with that though? Did you, did you feel confident with Neil stepping up?
1: No, I didn't. I mean, I, I was watching the game with, um, with one of my neighbours, who's a Liverpool fan. And I said to him, um, uh, yeah, something weird's going to happen here. I can just tell. <laughs> 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 I did not feel comfortable or confident, like I say, to, uh, about Mope taking the penalty because we know what happened a few games back. He missed the Spurs game uh, after the West Brom second-half disaster. Um, and then he did well in the, in, in the Burnley game. He was effective in a different role. And I thought, you know, he... Aston Villa, he did pretty well as well, but, you know, he didn't really – he had one chance, and I think um, Martínez saved it. And then I'm thinking, okay, this is a guy who is quite low on confidence. Uh, you can tell his body language isn't the same as it often is. Um, this is not the guy we need taking penalties. <laughs> um, but sure enough, he steps up, and, you know, you can see him um, sending uh, Allison to his left um, with his eyes a few times and then he he puts it to his right, and yeah, straight past the post
0: what can it you say? did it did feel it did look like a penalty taken by a man with no confidence, didn't it like yeah. Yeah, there's just no way a striker of his of his caliber doesn't hit the target if he's in any way in the right frame of mind um although I will say i and it's funny because it ended up being the case, but when I saw him step up, I was like, shit, I wish it was Pascal gross and then. <laughs> Luckily, luckily, we got a (laughs) Um, re-roll. But, yeah, it's... And what it was... uh, He missed the penalty uh, on around the... About 20 minutes. About 20 minutes, yeah. And and about 25 minutes in, uh, he was substituted off with a hamstring injury. Yeah. How much of that do you think was a hamstring injury and how much of it do you think was bruised pride?
1: It's a really odd one. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where a player has just walked off the pitch. Um, I mean, I, get, I know that players feign injuries in certain situations, and but I can't think of an example where that's happened. Um, and it did look odd to me. Like I, I thought, well, hang, hang on, how's he pulled his hamstring? I mean, we didn't see an incident where it could have happened, um, at least not from my recollection. Um, and then suddenly he's got the physio around him and other players around him and they're kind of chatting to him and then He's off and he didn't just, you know, limp off as you might expect with a player with an injury. He walked off in a hurry and you saw him go down the tunnel and pull his shirt off. You know, that was, that was, yeah, Bruce pride for sure. If not, if not more. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. I think he's obviously quite an emotional player. Um, We see that, you know, most games um, he winds teams up quite effectively um, and I think it has a negative impact when things go against him um, I don't know what's your take?
0: Yeah no I, I agree with pretty much everything you said I think that it was to me I I, I don't know if they did it uh, it was on BT in the UK right?
1: Yeah yeah.
0: Off, yeah. so on NBC Sports in the US they, they said that they may have found the moment that he did his hamstring uh, they played oh, the okay. moment and it looked pretty innocuous like he definitely pulls up and like he does react um but like you said like the way he walked off it didn't look like he was exactly concerned about keeping it preserved you know what I mean like he he was straight off um and he wasn't really having any of it with the physio wanting to look him over or anything he just kind of was just like nope I'm done and walked off and I would love to know what Potter said after the game. Um, but I feel like I haven't heard a word from Graham because all it's been is is everybody bombing each other about this Jurgen Klopp interview. Um, <laughs> so I'll have to have a look a little bit later on because uh, I've got a busy day ahead of me and we'll, we'll see what Potter says after the fact about Mopi, you know, in the next couple of games because... Yeah. I think today, like that first 20 minutes prior to the penalty, I thought he was similar to Burnley. I think he had been asked to play that slightly deeper role and he was doing it really well. Like he was playing yeah. great balls through. Um, Absolutely. So, I mean, he's still got a role to play by far. and
1: Yeah. I mean, there's no question that we'll need him um, in the next, you know, the run of games leading up to Christmas and beyond because there's so many fixtures. Um, there's going to, he's going to have to play a role. And yeah, like you say, he's playing. He's been playing really well in that slightly deeper role. Um, maybe takes the pressure off him a bit. Um, we don't really know exactly what happened after the West Brom game, um, you know. But you can see that that's had an impact on how he's performing, the way that they've integrated in him into the team. Um, and I think, you know, with regards to this so-called injury, if you look back to the Milner injury. He had a similar thing happen with a hamstring. He was down on the deck for quite a while, rubbing his thigh. He goes off, he goes and sits in the stands and gets his, his leg iced up, you know, and, and watches the rest of the game. Yeah. And his mope is off the field in a
0: <laughs> so Never to be seen again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is a strange one. Um, the rest of the half was pretty quiet. Nothing really. It kind of, the, the penalty miss and the Mopai going off kind of took everything out of the game um, from both sides. It almost felt like everything just... Liverpool were trying to find their feet with us constantly cutting in behind them and we were trying to find our feet from from missing a penalty and starting so well. And the rest of the half kind of just faded by. Did you feel the same way? It just... One minute, it was, you know, 26 minutes and the next, it was like 43. And I was like, oh, shit, it's nearly, nearly half <laughs> time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you could see that Klopp was clearly unhappy with um, how Liverpool were performing in that first half. Um, I think after the, well, prior to and after the Mope incidents, um, the penalty and then the injury, we were we were probably on top, um, certainly in terms of uh, possession. And I think uh, Liverpool were having a hard time sort of um, coping with us at that point. And then the Salah chance, I think it was about thirty-three minutes. Um, Sorry, it was a salad. It was a salad goal, in fact, that was disallowed by VAR. Um, and then, yeah, it just sort of petered out um, towards the end of the first half. And I was just hoping at that point, you know, let's just get into, you know, halftime nil nil. You know, this is you know what a great performance. So um, yeah, yeah, I agree. It was a strange. It was a strange game, I think, from start to finish, um, in many ways. But yeah, there was this sort of sense that things were just kind of petering along, plodding along, and, yeah, it was hard to really kind of um, make sense of (laughs) of what was happening.
0: Unfortunately for us, uh, the second half was not quite the same way. Uh, Jordan Henderson came on at halftime. Nico Williams uh, at right back was substituted off. Henderson dropped into the middle of the park as he normally does, and Milner spread out to right back, Mr. Dependable James Milner. Um, And he was, once again today, pretty just, solid there and and good enough to get a job done um and you know I think we were under the cosh from the word go and uh, it didn't come particularly as a surprise to me uh that we we went ahead and, and conceded that goal on the hour um Hotter looked by far and away the most dangerous player for them uh Salah didn't look 100 percent on it today Firmino is he yeah. didn't really play much of a role in anything, um, and and to looked like the man who was going to make the most of the chances. Uh, to me, I thought the goal was coming; it was not a surprise at all. Did did you feel the same way?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I fully expected uh, Liverpool to come out in the second half as a different side. They had Henderson on, um, and he he totally transformed them. Um, yeah, and they they were they were pushing, and obviously the the Jota goal was a, just a moment of brilliance. I think it helped a little bit by Webster's positioning, um, but I don't want to, you know, pick out, you know, half mistakes. It was one of those things. It was just a great run and a great goal. Um, I think uh, Ben White almost blocked it. He came around quite, yeah, you know, he quite intelligently sort of saw what was happening and uh, came around the back of uh, Lewis Dunk and tried to, tried to block it as, as Jota, had taken the shot and it just like bubbled over his leg. And I thought, you know, on another day, that's maybe, you know, a great block. Um, it wasn't to be, but yeah, I fully expected, um, Liverpool to come out and they did. And it was, I was surprised it wasn't, well, it, it was 2 0 at one point, but again, um,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, almost from the kickoff, uh, which is a good, which is kind of why I'm bringing it up because we're about to get to the next talking point that you just brought up at the beginning of the show. Um, yeah almost from the kickoff to me personally, I saw Liverpool drop back an extra five yards soon yeah. as they went 1-0 up. Um, it looked to me like they were, they sat back just a tiny bit, very confident in the fact that they had, you know, and do have one of the most deadly counter-attacking forces in the world. Um, and, Within three minutes, uh, Graham Potter made a decision. In my opinion, he saw the same thing I did and decided that Aaron Connolly's day was done. He was not going to be able to be as uh, dangerous in the role he was given. And he yeah. substituted him off for Adam Lalana more of a playmaking creator kind of midfielder uh, that could kind of drop between the lines and make stuff happen. Aaron Connolly did not see that <laughs> he was <No. laughs> very unhappy um what was your thoughts on on that substitution i've given mine but but did you feel the same way or, or were you on the other side of the fence because i know on social media it was very very 50 50 some people saw it my way some people thought that he was still a very very potent force out there and, and shouldn't have been took off so early
1: yeah i mean i think you raised you raised the perfect point there i think i, I didn't actually see um um, the Liverpool back line dropped back that that much. Um, I guess I wasn't paying attention to it. Um, but now you mention it, it makes perfect sense. And the fact that, you know, Potter noticed it so quickly as well and, and responded um, so quickly, I think, yeah, I, I, I can understand um, Conley's frustration. Um, when it goes 1-0 up, when Liverpool go 1-0 up, it's a different game. Um so, you know, he ha- it's one of those things. He just has to kind of um, understand his role within the team and um, understand that there's going to be moments when he's he's of, you know, he can be effective and he's going to be um, of benefit to the team and then others when he, it will, he'll be less effective. And it's, it's, it's tough for a young player um, like him, especially when you miss that chance at the beginning of the game um, to sort of, yeah, I guess come to terms with that. But um, it's all part and parcel sort of, you know, this this process. I think Brighton are going through with these young players. You know, it's it's not all going to come um, with the flick of a switch. You know, click of the fingers. It's going to take uh, it's going to take time before um, you know the mental response, the the emotional responses um, um, start to sort of. You know, match what we what we what the team needs essentially, and I think that's why um, you know they brought in so many experienced players like Lalana or like Welbeck um, to sort of uh, help these young guys like Connolly and Mope to an extent, um, you know, to sort of understand those those aspects of the game. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's a good point. I mean, I know when when we signed Lalana that. They were very big on, on him leading in that manner and, and helping the young players around him. And you're already starting to see a little bit of that. Um, I think when he's on the pitch, you can, it's been quite good in a weird way, having it behind closed doors because you can hear Adam Lallana screaming almost constantly, like instructions, words of encouragement, help, tips, pointers. Like He is constantly talking to the players around him. And I mean, I think that, like you said like I'm pretty sure that was a, a major reason why they wanted to bring him in um yeah, within 60 seconds uh, Sadio Mane was subbed on for Mohamed Salah Salah yeah. are you surprised he played today after after having that time out with covid and coming back and almost immediately put straight back into the side
1: um yeah I guess so I mean I was more surprised I think that Mane was on the bench um
0: yeah same I no, captured I it- him in my fantasy premier league so that went well Oh, no. (laughs)
1: Um, We'll get onto the fence. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I obviously understand um, in terms of um, squad rotation because they've got these Champions League games. But, um, yeah, if if I was going to bench anyone, I probably would have benched Salah, not Mane. Um, But, yeah, he he played. And I don't think he was as effective um, as he can be. Albeit, you know, he had a goal that's allowed. Um, but yeah, he clearly he clearly wasn't happy about being taken off either.
0: No, so was he was very unhappy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so eight minutes, Adam Lalana was on the field for. Um, and he went off on the 71st minute to bring on Alireza um, to kind of play that same kind of role. Adam Lalana, he didn't look particularly hurt when he went off. Uh, I've seen a lot of people say he was not well um, with rumors that it may well have been a toilet situation (laughs) where he needed to uh, (laughs) run for the bathroom. Um, And he didn't look particularly well in the face when he came on. Um, Similar to Mopai, he did not look hurt when he went down that tunnel. Do you think that that's what it was? Or do you think that he felt some kind of like just pre- like knock or something and was took off? Or do you think maybe he was just like ill under the weather and decided he wasn't cut out for it? Or, or what What do you think went on there? Because that was that was a weird kind of on and off cameo.
1: Yeah, it really was. And, and especially when you kind of, um, you know, you have two incidents with the Mope injury and then this as well to happen in the game. The Conley substitution, it seemed like there was a lot of strange Things that were going on um, in this game, and yeah, he'd been on the field. What eight minutes? Um, I saw him warming up. He was chatting away to um, uh, Curtis Jones, and he seemed fine. He was warming up, and then he comes on. He gets knocked down. I can't remember who who fouled him or what exactly happened. And then yeah, he's he's literally running off the field. I mean, I I can I can only think. I think some some people have said. That it was perhaps a toilet related issue, <laughs> a bit of a sort of a Gary Lineker um, <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> um. I didn't see anything on the uh on the on the highlights to suggest that. So maybe it was a stomach thing. I mean it's difficult to know really. I mean, it has to be one of one of those options. I mean, if you think about, you know, we know we know he's he's had his incidents in the past with injuries and um what have you but yeah it was a strange one what did you think
0: same way I, I it didn't look like he was hurt when he went off so like Definitely it was not. weird to me and he didn't half hair down that tunnel like he yeah, went yeah. he went down that tunnel at speed so like I would I would be really interested to see what Potter says it's you know people get ill it happens it wouldn't be a shock to me um especially if he's turned around and been like yeah I'm good gaffer get me on I'm all right. I'm feeling okay. Then that adrenaline starts pumping. You start really moving your body. And you think, oh, I'm not that good. <laughs> and, and he has to come straight back off. But yeah, yeah. it was a weird one. And, and it's kind of frustrating because Graham Potter is so, whether you agree with them or not, but he seems very reliant on his substitutions being a major kind of tactical maneuver for him. And he lost the ability to make two of them with Mobile yeah. and Lalana coming off. And and, and we still got a result regardless. So it was kind of frustrating to see it. But at the same time, we, we ended up coming away with, with a point anyway. Um, and let's talk about those VAR incidences because we're at the point now where we've got the last kind of three talking points can all go together. And I, that's why I didn't bring up the Salah disallowed goal already. Um, so three VAR incidences in the in the kind of the last, last stretch of the game. Uh, first one was Mohamed Salah offside um do you agree um with the the offside ruling with this var do you do you like that they are going this kind of fine lines or is this something that frustrates you to no end
1: yeah i mean i think it frustrates every fan um obviously in situations where the the ruling goes in your favor, you're less likely to complain about it, um, obviously. Um, but so I think something has to change. Uh, uh, I can understand the, the, you know, the school of thought that says, well, you know, if he has a toe offside or a finger offside, or, you know, if he's six inches offside, then he's offside, you know, there's no two ways about it. Um, but I think this is where there's a problem with um, the ruling. I think it, what ultimately we should be looking at is less um, minute, um, you know, differences. I, I'm not explaining myself very well, but let's say, for instance, in in the in in the days before VAR, you know, you'd be called offside if you were clearly offside, and the linesman and the linesman spotted it. Um, in situations where it's you know a fraction of a of an inch, or even more, you know, even more, like as much as six inches. You know, the linesman c- can't see that from his from his um, point of view. He's too far away. So um, I think what we what we need to do is decide what's offside and what's not. You know, and if there has to be a kind of a a sort of a, a grace, you know, a leeway between, um, I don't know. Uh, being onside and maybe being a foot offside and uh, what you know and then there comes a point where we say okay yeah he's definitely offside um if we start bringing it down to like fingernails and armpits it just gets ridiculous and it just takes um all of the integrity out of the game as far as I'm concerned
0: Fair, I don't agree with you (laughs) um I think that and the reason I don't is because so I don't I don't like it but it's not because it's it's not because of the way it's done for me. I I don't like it because of the time it takes. Um, there needs yeah. to be some kind of time limit on it. I think. I think you have forty five seconds to check it, and if it is not clear and obvious enough for you after forty five seconds, play continues. Goal given or goal ruled out, whatever. That's my view on it. I think that the entire point of VAR. This is the one thing. In out of all out of all of the ar so far that for the most part can be kind of like categorically right or wrong and i think it's a good thing that yeah. we can do it i do think it is ridiculous like today even you know he was offside by a, a toe and like i think it's in what in one way it's absurd but like at what point do you draw the threshold like you've got to change the entire offside rule if that's the case. You know what I mean? Like it's got to be a specific part of the body offside or something like that. But for me, I like that. It feels like there's not much room for argument in terms of whether they're offside or not by current rule. Like it's, it's written, it's done with a bloody protractor and compass and all the algebra in the world and all this nonsense that they're doing, but it's the time it takes to work it out for me. That makes me kind of against it. It, I mean, what, it was two, two and a half minutes today to look at that goal, Um, and that's just too much for a game. And even today, like, there wasn't any fans in the stadium, but when there is, like, it's even worse because then you get that, you know, that restlessness, people are losing it, it gets... And then the little the kind of the outcry when it goes against whichever team... And you realize, you know, would you just been standing around for two and a half minutes just to have it go against your team is is infuriating. So, my view on it is, I like it. I like the rule in practice. No, in theory, but in practice, it takes way too long.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see where it comes from. I mean, it's the. I think it's probably the only aspect of VAR which is black and white in that sense. You know, it doesn't rely on any kind of element of subjectivity you know you're either offside or you're not um, um i agree with you that it takes too long um i don't know you know the ins and outs of the, the kind of the technology that they're using to uh, to make these decisions but yeah the lines being drawn and you can you see the mouse curse all that kind of stuff it does seem very um over the top I would say, or well, at least it's, you know, the system doesn't function smoothly. Um, and it, yeah, it should, I agree, it should take a minute to decide or even less. Um, but clearly the technology that the Premier League are using uh, isn't able to do that at this stage for whatever reason. Um, uh, I've, got a th- I've got another kind of a maybe slightly controversial um, idea about the VAR topic, but I don't know whether we want to address that Right now, but maybe we can talk about it later. I don't know. Um, what What do you think?
0: Let's Let's do the last two pieces first, Should, and then you can okay. then you can give your kind of final verdict <laughs> and, and or extra controversial views. Uh, ben White challenge was it yeah. a foul or was it a good tackle?
1: Uh, for me, it was a great tackle. I mean, obviously, you know the motion of the body makes it look like he's got his feet, his two feet out, and he's going in, you know, in a a two-footed challenge. Um, I think he he does actually touch the ground before he makes, before he touches the ball. Um, But it was a coming together. Um, I don't think it was a a reckless challenge. I don't think it was, I don't think it warranted, certainly not a red card, and perhaps not even a yellow. Um, You know, he he clearly won the ball. Um, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts?
0: Agreed no chances at a yellow card or a foul and yeah. Yeah. from the resulting free kick uh goal Mane uh offside given no complaints on that one that one did not take too long at all that is yeah. that is exactly what the ar was created for correct absolutely yeah absolutely yeah yeah and I that think was we can a, kind of that that an easy talking point <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know you, you think at that point okay here we go it's two nil um Free kick to Liverpool. We're terrible at defending set-pieces. Robertson is taking it. It's going to be a goal. And yeah, I think we got away with one there, but obviously it was offside.
0: And then final one, uh, the penalty. Um, First of all, Pascal Gross took the penalty, slotted it away, middle of the goal, no nonsense. Um, And we kind of played out the game at the end there and and got the well-earned point. Um, And, you know, that kind of all just, it was kind of anticlimactic at the end because you expected it to be a lot like even more drama with with the way we've been with these games lately with Manchester United and this one all going down to the wire as well uh, but the main talking point was of course that final var call uh what are your thoughts on that penalty that was given to Danny Welbeck
1: my initial reaction was um that you know, Robertson cleared the ball. Um, I didn't see uh, anything that resembled what might be a penalty. Um, and then I was actually quite surprised when um, it got called back and BAR checked it. And then I looked at it again and I thought, okay, yeah, he does actually kick him in the foot. Um, <sighs> yeah, I, I suppose if you want to go by the letter of the law, um, Robertson kicks him in the foot and he goes down, that's a foul in the box. It's a penalty. Um, was Robertson trying to kick him in the foot, or was he trying to kick the ball? And Welbeck's foot was in the way. You know, at which point do we decide what's a foul and what's not a foul? You know, I, I, I don't know. I think my feeling is that we deserved to get a point in this game um, because of the way that we performed and other chances that we missed. Um, was it the right ruling? I'm not 100 percent sure and I think I don't think many Brian players either were either because I, you know I don't see I didn't see many many players um uh, you know ha- you know hounding the referee and saying, oh, that's a penalty, that's a penalty. Welbeck certainly was on the deck and he was looking at the ref, but that's that was about it as far as I could see.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. There wasn't much appealing at all. Um, there wasn't much appealing at the Mane goal either, which was strange because um, he was clearly offside as well when you when you did the replay. Um, yeah. For me, it was one of those ones where I would be fuming if it was given against us, but when I saw it on the replay, I thought it should 100% be given for us. <laughs> um, it's It was one of those ones where upon looking at the replay, it becomes pretty clear that he's... Welbeck's got a touch first and then he's kicked his foot and that has been given as a foul all year and VAR yeah. again went to work and did the right thing, which was quite nice to see um especially that late with a team like Liverpool at the Amex that doesn't often go our way so. I was I was surprised they gave it simply because of the circumstances. We were we were one 0 down against one of the biggest teams in the country, and it was going to be a decision given against them, with you know the dying embers of the game. So, I was more kind of surprised because of the circumstances and the challenge itself. Once we watched it back, um, who was your? who was your man of the match for the game today or standouts um we will cover kind of man of the match and then we'll go through your var conspiracy theory and then we'll uh, <laughs> we'll wrap up there if that's all right
1: yeah sure um yeah i think there was about you know three or four really standout performances today um i think um veltman had the most touches he was very solid um i think you know with lampty out he gave us a lot of um you know a calm a calmness and a kind of a that level of experience that we needed in, in, in Lampty's absence, obviously he doesn't offer the same thing going forward, but, um, yeah, I thought he had a really good game. I thought Basuma was, was really strong as well. I think he had the most, um, tackles or interceptions, um, Solly March as well was solid, you know, both going forward and, um, you know, and in terms of winning, winning the ball back, I think he had six interceptions, um, and Ben White, you know, uh, he, he, he had a really solid game. So it's really hard to call between the four. I mean, I think I'd probably say, I mean, and then, you know, you could talk about Welbeck as well. Um, it's a tough one. Pascal is. Grove was kind of there <laughs> and thereabouts all the time. You know, uh, he had 90% pass accuracy, um, but I'm going to go with Bissouma because I think he really, um, took the sting out of um, Liverpool's attacks at different times, particularly in the first half. Um, and I think he really gave us a platform, you know, to build from. And I think it, that kind of went perhaps unnoticed. Um, yeah, he had a really good pass accuracy as well. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Basuma.
0: That's entirely fair. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's definitely up there for me as well today. Um, I'm going to go with Joel Veltman, though. Um, yeah. Just because he surprised me, and I've, I've actually been a pretty big fan of Veltman since he's been coming in. I'm sure, I'm sure you can understand, guess I've been kind of waxing lyrical about him every week he's played. I think he's a great progressor of the ball, um, yeah. and he's not afraid of anything at all at this level. You know, he's been there and done it and seen it with Ajax for many years. So he's kind of no intimidation at all, and, and he's a bit older, so he's got that kind of, again, that influential head. Um, to play alongside players like Ben White uh, and Tariq Lamptey and players like that and I thought he went in there today and considering he is by far and away not first choice right wing back he put in a hell of a job um yeah. and he really held Robertson to doing nothing at all um because he was just shut down that that kind of classic overlap that Liverpool put forward. Um, I think I read yesterday that Andy Robertson had had the most touches in the final third of any player in the Premier League this year, including forward strikers and everything. And I think I mean, I mean, think Andy Robertson was held just totally ineffective today. Um, and I think a large part of that was, was Veltman just totally having him in his pocket.
1: Yeah, I think what's remarkable is that, you know, that stat that you just brought up about Robertson, He had the most touches of any player today and the most passes. Um, They weren't always as accurate as others, but he was still ineffective largely apart from maybe the free kick, which was then moved offside um, because of Veltman. So, yeah, I think that says a lot about what Veltman brings to the team. And I think
0: he's just an absolute bargain signing. Agreed. What, 900,000? Outrageous. (laughs) Outrageous. Um, All right, awesome. So, final final thing to just touch on then um, is the VAR uh, controversial talk you've you've got. So hit me hit me in <laughs> your, the listeners with this with this controversial VAR point of view. Right. So you you
1: live in the states, right? So you probably you're familiar with the NFL.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm a Bears fan live- for my sins. Okay,
1: great. So you know the ruling um, in the NFL that a, that a manager gets or a coach gets, uh, I think it's two challenges. Per yep. half, is that correct?
0: Yes. Challenge. Yeah. Like the challenge flags, the red, the yeah. red flags. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they can throw in. Um, sorry, the, the refs have the yellow flags, which um, you know we won't go into. But yeah, the, the coaches have a red flag if they feel like there's been uh, something's been missed by the refs or a decision has gone against them, which they feel needs to have a, You know, needs to be looked at again. They throw in the red flag. Um. And they go about, you know, looking over it again, you know, through video replays, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is going to be controversial because I think of the time it would take um, to do it because we've already raised the point or you already raised the point that VAR decisions, particularly off sides, take too long as it is. So we don't really want to be in a situation where we're kind of prolonging um, these decisions even further. But I think maybe, you know, we're, we can kind of entertain the discussion that okay well what about if we we kept var under wraps until a manager decides well, oh, hang on a minute um i need to have a look at that again because i think it you know went against us and they throw in their red flag whatever whatever equivalent um you want to use and var has a looks at it has a look at it and decides whether or not the decision that was made was correct or not um, and I think it takes a lot of the the pressure off the referee in those kind of situations. Um, they can continue to referee the game the way they would normally and before VAR even existed. And the managers have that confidence of knowing that if they feel that something has gone against them, they have a wild card that they can throw in and say, well, hang on a minute. Let's have a look at that again. I think that was offside or that wasn't offside or that was a penalty or wasn't a penalty. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Uh, I like it actually. Um, I feel like I feel like at the beginning of last year when this all started, the VAR stuff, I think I may have just thrown this idea out there as well, unlike oh, really? the offhand, although not as deep as you've just gone. Um, but like some way that we can bring the 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 ability to to look at VAR back to the managers so they have less room for complaints. Um yeah. But no, I like it actually. I I don't dislike it at all. Um it it also it also is one of those ones where if the benefit of using it like that would be that the fans wouldn't be as pissed because they would see the flag be thrown by their manager and be like, okay, like I, I know I'm going to have to sit here for two minutes while it's checked, but that's yeah. what my manager wants to do. And he's only got one more. Yeah. So I like, the I like the idea. Um, I do think something has got to be changed uh, in some way, shape or form um because as it is right now like i said for me my biggest thing is the amount of time it takes and even though they went in our favor today (laughs) it's still it still frustrates me so i know that i know that it's it really is an issue because if i'm if i'm still annoyed sometimes when we're getting the results and and decisions in our favor then then i know there's something not quite right (laughs) (laughs) because once once it gets to that point you know there's a bit much um no i like that idea I do. I, I definitely don't dislike it. I think that for all of its faults, uh, the NFL has video refereeing down much better than than yeah. the VAR in, in Europe in general. Oh. And I think that and it surprises me that Barber, of all people who has spent a lot of time in the States, hasn't brought this up. And I think if anybody who's listening to the show today gets into a Q&A with Paul anytime soon, ask him about it and see what he says because I would love to have that on record I might see if I can get an interview with him myself actually and talk to him about it just to see what he says because I would love <laughs> to know what he thinks because I mean he spent so much time over over here like in Toronto and and you know the states in general he's he's spent too much time around the sport to not be aware of how VAR reviews work in the US I would love to hear what his point of view is
1: yeah absolutely i um... I would be I would be very surprised if it hasn't. I mean, like you say, it's something that you raised um, when VAR first came in, and I'd be very surprised if it's not something that's been discussed um, at some point or another, either by Barb or by someone else. But yeah, he would be a great candidate to put it to to put it to.
0: Agreed. Um, yeah. Southampton next week. Uh, did you get put in the ballot to to go to back to the game, or were you not in that?
1: No, I'm not actually uh, season ticket. I'm on the waiting list, unfortunately. Um, gotcha. I'm a my Albion Plus member, whatever yep. that means. So I don't get to uh, go on the ballot, unfortunately, much to my um, yeah dismay. Would you, but, would you have gone if you'd have won it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a strange one because I mean, usually I go because I, I like to take my boy along and it's kind of a, a thing that we do. Um I think the only game I, I went to my own was uh, Arsenal away because it was an evening kickoff, um, which was a great game, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I'd be stupid not to. But, I mean, is it possible for you to kind of give your <laughs> ticket to, to someone else? I don't know many people who might do that and under the current circumstances.
0: Yeah. No, I was just curious with the, obviously the pandemic going. There's a lot of people saying that they wouldn't right. go even if they got it. So,
1: so yeah, sure. yeah,
0: I was just curious what your thoughts were. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, that I think, you know, we look back to when was it April when we had that. Um, so it wasn't April; it was it was much later than that. Um, that preseason game with Chelsea when fans were in attendance.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, like August or so.
1: Yeah, it seemed to me that that was um, really well managed. Um, the, the feedback that uh, all the fans gave and the club gave and the, you know, the officials gave after that were all positive. Um, you know, I'm not going I wouldn't be concerned about going to a game um, that was socially distanced uh, under the current circumstances,
0: I don't think. Cool. Awesome. Good feedback. Yeah. Um... All right. That about wraps it for me. I do need to drop off. Uh, I've got a bunch of stuff that I need to take care of today because it's still only three o'clock here. Um, yep. So thank you so much for your time, Matt. I'm sure I'll have you on again uh, before <laughs> the end of the season. Uh, you've been a great guest. Um, and yeah, Southampton next week, Monday night football. Um, yep. Hopefully we can get something from that in the start of this, this set of fixtures that we just said is uh, is definitely some points to be gained. So thanks again for coming on um, and Yeah, have a good one. Thanks a
1: lot for uh, inviting me on, Josh. All the
0: best. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good one, mate.
1: Okay. Yeah. Bye.